Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Gee. Happy birthday to you. Thank you, Conrad. And you know, it's so nice because you just broke your own rule and said you, that you were never going to sing on Lunch Hour Legal Marketing. That is exactly right. I will not dance on Lunch Hour Legal Marketing. How's that? Those are two Ooh. things I do not do. That was the best music I have ever created. Maybe for my 50th birthday, you can do a dance. I will dance. So happy birthday. Thank you. I know it's your birthday because Facebook tells me it's your birthday. And so... The one good thing Facebook's for. (laughs) And retargeting. Right. Of course. (laughs) I'm going to, as always, try and loop this into the theme of our show, which is legal marketing. Do you Facebook stalk your clients and proactively send them a non-email, non-Facebook birthday wish? Not consistently. Okay. The most transparent, honest answer is is that one, I'm not as proactive about it, but I do. You know, the the clients that I have that I've developed a re- closer relationship with over the years, I for sure do. Okay. But there are some that, which kind of goes to my, you know, point that we've talked about a lot is it's not blanket, right? For me, like there's a little bit of nuance in deciding how you interact with people. You know, some people, hey, you know what? Some of my clients I've had a relationship with for a long time, we go out to lunch on their birthday, right? Some get an email, some get a card. Anyway, it's just knowing people and treating them the way that you would want to be treated yourself to a large extent. And also knowing that not everyone wants to be treated the same way. That's the nuance that you brought up here. Yeah. Some people don't want an email on their birthday. You know, they're like feeling (laughs) self-conscious about getting old like me. Dude, I, I, I will always be worse than you are in that category. So you're right. I'm really not self conscious about it at all. Gee, what are we talking about today? First, we got some quick news. Then we're talking Barbara Streisand. Barbara Streisand. Yep, Babs, and hopefully that will include some more of that beautiful singing voice of yours. <laughs> then we'll wrap things up talking about legal directories and whether or not they are still relevant for law firms. Roll that music. Welcome to Lunch Hour Legal Marketing. Teaching you how to promote, market, and make fat stacks for your legal practice. Here on Legal Talk Network. All right. Let's hit the news. Those of you who are longtime listeners of the podcast know that Guy and I met at the University of Michigan. This morning, the Michigan sex abuse settlement came out. I think both Guy and I had clients who were working on generating clients for that matter. Guy, the other piece of news, and this is more our understanding of how the news has actually um, impacted things, the vicinity update coming out of Google. A, can you tell us what that is? And B, is that impacting your clients? Because I can tell you it's impacting ours. Yeah. Um, so here is just my view on it. There's kind of three things that we see going on with the vicinity update. Number one is, is that it looks like Google's dialed up the proximity factor. So they're showing a lot more businesses that are very close to the location of the serger. Two, though, I think there's two other things that are going on. One is there does seem to be a removal of some of the long-standing 
keyword business name field firms in major markets. So Chicago, New York, firms that were like, it was just 100% keywords in business name field, you know, personal injury lawyer, LLC, a lot of those have been shaken out. And on top of that, and this is just really coming from me, I wrote about this on our blog, so we'll put a link in there for folks who want to read that. But in addition to both of those things, I have a sense that there's some kind of like, I'm going to call it a shuffle factor. And what I mean by that is even some firms that didn't have keywords in the business name field and still are proximally very close to the search that had been had rankings for forever, as like as far back as I can as they had local packs, are gone. And so it's like not exactly and, and they have traditional SEO, good SEO metrics, right? So these are firms that have had, you know, they've done a lot of content, they've got a lot of links, they're big sites, they've got their brand recognition sites, they don't appear to be cheating, and they seem to have gotten the bump for some reason. So that's my take on it. What do you see? We're seeing the same thing, and I'm I'm actually fielding. I fielded three calls from prospective clients in the last two weeks, maybe even just ten days, about this. Right, like local has gone bananas. Right, so local is bananas. I would say to you that if you don't have a benchmark from last year, you have no idea what's going on anyway. So, like, get your data locked in. At the very least, run a local Falcon scan. You should know that your local traffic is coming through. At the very least, in your Google Analytics, if you don't have it set up for that, your agency is not doing their job. And ideally, have your consultations with clients. Has that dumped? Has it exploded? And ideally, you can track it back to these changes in local. But that's been a, a very real shakeup. We, I mean, Guy and I have a tradition of poo-pooing the, 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 the Google shakeups, right? This is more real than it has been in the last 12, 24 months even. No, seriously. I mean, I, like, I kind of, I'm, I mean, as you know, I'm always like, uh, just keep your head down, keep doing good work. Google will catch up. This one's legit. I think the other thing that is a good lesson here, for especially for folks who are like, got the, the bump, who thought they were doing everything right, this is why you've got to diversify your marketing strategies. Don't put mm. all your eggs in the local pack basket, people. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really astute point. And it's difficult the smaller you are because sometimes you really want to focus. You can really only afford to focus on one or two things. So, so it makes it difficult. If, if you are a small firm that has put all of those eggs in that basket, the basket's gone, time to shuffle. In other he, news, yeah, I was going to say, I believe you are on the board of ABA Tech Shows. Is there something you want to share with our listeners? Yes, ABA Tech Show, as of today, January 19th, 2022, is on in Chicago, March 2nd through 5th, and it's time to vote. We want to hear from you. Pick your Startup Alley finalists. For those that go to Tech Show, you know all about Startup Alley, but we want to you know, highlight and reward some of these innovative legal tech startups. The deadline for voting is January 28th. We can make sure we'll put the uh, link in the show notes. You can also find it on Bob Ambrosi's Law Sites blog. But please do vote. We want to hear from you. It makes it better. And we hope to see you in Chicago, assuming that we continue on that path. And as many of you have been uh, know from listening to us, for those that do, We've been tracking the changes in non-legal entity ownership of law firms. Arizona was on the front end of that rule change. And the first non-law firm legal entity, non-law firm law firm, is up and running in Arizona. And so, you know, sign of the times, get ready to see more of that. And I would encourage you to kind of track 
the news around that because again we believe that that's going to play a increasing role in the future of the delivery of legal services depending on what state you're in some states have decided that they do not want to play ball true proactively decided okay as we usually do this one is particularly heartwarming uh, i actually shared this on my socials we got a review from hunter garnet that i'm very very grateful for Here's the review. Listen to every episode the month I started my law practice. I started my own law firm on December 3rd, 2021. Congratulations, by the yes, way. Yes, big congrats. Anyone who has the guts to pull a, I'm going to start my own business right now during this very kind of crazy world, hats off. Well played. Yep. On December 26th, I started listening to Lunch Hour Legal Marketing. I didn't stop until I had listened to every episode. Listening to LHLM before spending my own money on marketing was a great decision. The hosts do an excellent job of explaining what to watch out for with other legal marketers, legal marketing theory, and practical legal marketing tips. Hunter, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. These kind of reviews are the reason that we do this. We wish you the best of luck. And as I have offered many times, please don't hesitate to reach out to us if you have questions, if you got feedback, show topics, and if you're willing to leave a review, appreciate you. Thank you again, Hunter. Really do appreciate it. Hunter, this is cool. So he mentioned he started listening on December 26th. He wrote this review on January 1st. It's great. It's, it's, it's beyond flattering, and I appreciate it. Helps us raise our bar, too. For listeners like Hunter, we want to, we want to provide you value. So thank you. And now for the Legal Trends Report Minute, brought to you by Clio. So we've mentioned this step before, but... I wanted to go a little deeper and, and also a little foreshadowing for a future episode because I think both Conrad and I are excited to talk about this. But growing firms are 46% more likely to use client intake and CRM solutions. So you know what they found was out of the firms that are growing, those growing firms are 46% more likely to use CRM. Client intake and client relationship management software help law firms deliver enhanced client experiences, something we talk about all the time, especially during the crucial intake phase of the legal matter. These solutions make it easier for law firms to keep track of potential clients who reach out to them, ensuring streamlined operations each step of the intake process. Online forms make it easier and more convenient for potential clients to share basic information related to their matter, and online booking systems make connecting for an initial consultation simple. So, you know, my thing about this, I mean, we obviously believe in CRM. You know, I was kind of thinking back, you know, we already kind of committed to doing an entire episode on CRM. But, you know, when you read that little clip, isn't that everything? It's all about putting the systems and pro whether it's software systems, processes, behavior, putting the client at the center of your firm, making it easier to book, easier to schedule, easier to communicate. Like, that's what it's all about right there. I think one of the keys here is it's, it's focuses is on growing firms. And for me, this is like a, yeah. No doubt, right? But if you are a two-person firm, it's not as difficult to keep track of everything than if you're a 22-person firm. Like That's a no-brainer, and you have to have systems in place to scale things up. I still believe that the depth of power and the depth of opportunity and the depth of data that you get out of CRM is amazing, right? Right. And that's a very marketing agency owner perspective on it, which I share. <laughs> But even if you're not like even if you're not trying to like track and measure and do all the marketing stuff, the other part of it that, that this speaks to, and I think this is gonna be a good point for us to cover when we go deep on this, is it provides a better experience for your clients because totally. 
you're more organized and you're more responsive and there's less friction for them to communicate with you. And so CRM just to me is one of those things that, you know, we take for granted. We're in the world of legal marketing and law practice management. But if I, you know, it's one of those buzzwords, one of those acronyms that's like so cornerstone, but regardless of who you are, you know, if you're a one person firm, if you're a 500 person firm, like this is one of the best cases of technology actually helping to deliver better client service. So let me get really pragmatic on this. And and yes, we will do a full episode on CRM, but like Guy said the word responsiveness, right? How does CRM help you be more responsive? And stay tuned. Use, well, yes. You, you want to stay tuned? No, duh, go duh, ahead. Duh. Don't make them wait. I'll use a very simple thing. Even if all you know is that it takes 14 hours on average to get back to clients, you are going to start becoming more responsive, right? Even if that's the only thing you get out of CRM is that it takes us on average 14 hours, which seems insane, which would be insane, right? Just that one piece of knowledge is amazing, right? And what so, gets measured gets managed. What, uh, that's almost, it's almost like someone wrote a book on that. To learn more about these opportunities and much more for free, download Clio's Legal Trends Report at clio.com forward slash trends. That's Clio spelled C-L-I-O. Conrad, your turn to sing some Barbara Streisand for us. You want me to sing, but I do not sing. I never sing. I will never sing or dance on this podcast. <laughs> Again. Again. Okay, so... One of the pieces of news that came out, it's it's not very newsworthy, but it is an interesting conversation. And it comes back to what is known as the Streisand effect. But there's something that came out recently. The Colorado Supreme Court had an item on one of their pages regarding disciplinary information. And the lawyer in question is trying to get Google to de-index those pages does not want that to show up anymore when searching for that lawyer's name. Now, I have a long history of dealing with this because my early, early time in the legal industry was spent at Avo. And one of the things that Avo did was look through state bar information to find lawyer disciplinary information and frankly, would put a big, obnoxious red warning sign on lawyers who had received disciplinary judgments. And so I spent a lot of time talking to angry lawyers about this. In this case, this is a a situation of a man who was involved in some domestic violence issues and a DUI and received a six-month suspension and 12-month probation. He is now trying to get Google to no-index. Gee, what does no-index mean? That means that Google won't show it in the results. So Google may know about these pages, but they've chosen not to show it in the results. Why might one use a noindex for a page, Guy? Because that seems like everything should be available, right? What's a good use for noindex? Well, maybe you've got something that's not, well, if it doesn't really, well, here's the, the, here's the Google answer. If it doesn't <laughs> deliver on a search user's intent, you probably shouldn't have it indexed. SEO-wise, you might decide like, hey, this is a really thin page. Maybe you've only got like, one thing to say, and you know, it's good for people, but there's really doesn't serve any purpose for search. There's a bunch of reasons you might know index something. If it's an ad, you're not supposed to index ad links. Right. So appropriate SEO reasons. Covering up information, is that an appropriate SEO reason, Guy? No. No. It's not. And so can you talk to me a little bit? Can you define the Streisand effect for our listeners and show how this is basically a big backfire? 
Sure. So Streisand effect is what happens when you try to hide something or censor it. And what happens instead, you actually bring a lot more attention to the very thing that you're trying to hide or censor. Do you know how the Streisand effect got its name? I might, I might bodge it, but didn't Barbara Streisand try to like hide the amount she paid for a house or something? So there was a there was a guy who hired a helicopter and took a picture of mansions along the California coast, one of which was Streisand's house, and she tried to get that picture. Um, I, th- I think she sued the photographer to get him to not display that picture of her house because she didn't want everyone to see what an opulent place that she lived in. And of course, when that happened, it blew up and everyone saw this very opulent house. This is exactly what's happening to this guy, right? Because honestly, it's like easy, salacious, link-baity fodder. You know, I'm looking at, this is on reason.com and this is under free speech. Lawyer asks Google to hide his bar discipline information on state Supreme Court's website. Now, Reason probably makes ads. Oh, they do look. I'm getting ads for shoes and automobiles. And so it's very helpful for them. Oh, and phone cases, right? It's very helpful for them for people to click on this stuff. So it's, it's kind of easy to drive views. But the downside for the lawyer, of course, is that now more and more people are learning about his suspension and his, his his bar discipline and you know and i think you know pra- try to be practical tip here because we imagine that most of our listeners are not trying to hide their history of domestic violence but some might be trying to have true negative reviews removed right that's the one i always think about and um you know again number one if it's a real review you know someone's not happy with you fix the reason why they're not happy with you. You know, guess what? It might be because you didn't respond to them or keep them updated about their case and all the stuff that we always hear. And start there with fixing the experience, but don't go around trying to hide this stuff. Don't go around trying to get all this stuff taken down. Have some empathy, give it some time. Don't react emotionally uh, and think about the best course of action, whether it's deciding to respond or reach out or whatever it is. But, you know, Censorship is usually not a great game plan in the age of information. No, doesn't really work all that well and doesn't go over very well. The interesting thing, and this was right before I left Avo, this came out. There were some state bars, you know, Avo spent a ton of time and a ton of effort getting this data. And many of the state bars were not happy about having their public information crawled. There are many state bars that actually close this information off after after a three or four year period, right? And so sometimes time is your friend here. Anyway, that is the Streisand effect. Don't try and censor the internet. It doesn't work very well. Right. Let's go pay some bills. Smart firms use CallRail to track where every lead comes from. PPC, LSA, organic search, or even offline ads. CallRail tells you which channels drive your best leads. CallRail even integrates with your favorite CRM or practice management tools to help manage your leads and see the ROI on your marketing investments. Know exactly which marketing tools work. Plans start at 45 bucks a month. We recommend CallRail to every single one of our clients. Go to callrail.com slash lunch hour now and try it for free. Learn by doing with Practicing Law Institute's award-winning on-demand interactive programs. Developed by experts in learning design, 
These immersive programs incorporate the latest in research-based instructional design and technology, allowing you to try out concepts, challenge yourself, and grow your skills using real-world scenarios. With programs focusing on professional development, client-facing skills, and law practice management, you can earn CLE while you learn. Launch now at pli.edu interactive or download PLI's mobile app. So Conrad, you mentioned you were referencing back to your days at Avo. What's going on at Avo these days? Well, I don't know. So interestingly, the Avo peeps who were there when it was sold are no longer there. So Sandy left, Mark left, and so it is a very different organization. As you and I were both watching directory traffic, they weren't doing great, right? And they were very, very heavily built on SEO. And I'm not going to use this. Well, I, I can't help but say like I had a lot to do with that. And I was pretty proud of it. And we did a great job of content and backlinks. And the technology was rock solid. And it was great. I think what's happened is a lot of people have caught up from the SEO, just foundational side of things. And additionally, you know, the SERPs have completely changed. So search traffic is down at the bottom. You now have three different options before you even get to organic. And I believe, I want to say two, maybe even more years ago, you were looking at the tracking of their traffic for some key terms and they, they were down at the bottom. I wrote a post on that. No one ever really thought otherwise, right? I think they've just kind of continued to crater. That's my understanding. Yeah, I think zooming out on just the conversation about directory, you know, online legal directories has always been a part of the legal marketing, online legal marketing ecosystem. Yeah. And directories have been a part before the online thing happened, right? It was a yeah. it was a big thing. And I'm with you. I mean, I um for the major like head term category queries that we track in major markets, Avo's struggled, but you know, in general, like the the whole, as you mentioned, Directories are so far down the page. However, I, I will say this, because of some of the sizes of some of these directories, for longer tail geo-modified queries in less competitive markets, they're still pretty prominent. You know, trying to give some folks some tactical things to think about, you know, because this came up actually in a Facebook group there, Dale Lawyer was asking about, you know, what do you think about these directory advertising? And, and here's my thing, this is, and we've talked about this at Bedlam many times, it'll probably come up again, but, you got to think about, let's just run through the kind of the analysis of the directory. So first of all, question number one is, do the directories or the directory you're considering, does it appear anywhere in search results for queries relevant to your practice, right? Because if it doesn't, forget about it. Relevant to your practice and geographic location. Right. Right. And so this is all sliced by practice area, geography. That matrix has to be a yes. Otherwise, like you really are just burning your kid's college fund. Right. Number two is, though, then you got to actually click through to the page that's actually ranking and see what the conversion visibility looks like. And what I mean by that is, look, if you're the only lawyer on the page, great. That's That might be a great opportunity. But if you're on the page with like 50 other lawyers... And they all have way better reviews and they're open 20. It's the same rules we talk about when we talk about Google business profiles, right? So like just getting in the considerations, that's one thing. Being the lawyer that they're actually going to choose to hire, that's a totally different thing. And so that's got to go into your calculus as well. Um, But usually from a threshold standpoint, 
if the directory shows up for relevant queries, both practice area-wise and geographically, and you can have a competitively positioned listing, it might be worth a test to see if you can actually generate clients at cost. Now, I'll tell you that more and more, we're seeing that it just doesn't work out, especially in competitive yeah. markets. The sentiment in these Facebook groups, a lot of these folks, and in fairness, a lot of the people that are trying this, they're not really thinking about it that strategically. You know, they're getting a call from Avo or getting a call from whoever, and they're just signing up. They're not really tracking any of the, you know, they don't have call tracking in place. Another thing, make sure you got your call tracking in place. You got form tracking in place. A lot of the, the uh, directories to their credit have upped their dashboard and reporting game with the exception of a couple that are kind of obfuscating their reporting, but I'll let you speak to that. I won't. But <laughs> at the end of the day, it's the same thing, right? It's an ad It's an ad unit. You got to say, what's our target cost per acquisition for this ad? What is our target return on investment for the ad campaign? Let it run for a little bit of time, see how it performs, track everything. You know, three months, six months, I wouldn't lock into a long-term contract. But, you know, the question keeps coming up, you know, should I be on these places? Here's the other thing, though, to think about. A lot of these have organic profile listings that you should claim because, you know, for the vertical specific directories, I do think those play a role in your visibility and local pack. But, you know, we're really talking about spending money on ads here. What do you think? So I want to go into some of the dirty tricks that directory salespeople use to take advantage of you. Um, Long-term contracts is one of them. Even the timing of how you can cancel your contracts, I would read that stuff really carefully, right? If you're required to provide notice it'll let them roll over two more months if you've decided the directory is not working for you like that's a that's a huge red flag any of these long-term contracts i i get you know and they'll tell you oh you need to you need to give it time for it to work you need to give it time for it to work it's a freaking ad on top of a page right like you're not baking a cake like come on it's bullshit other things that directory salespeople will use to kind of take advantage of you. I call them rotation location. Rotation is, yeah, okay, there's three ads on this page. You could be one of three. Yeah, but there's 30 different lawyers that they rotate through. So you're not showing up more than 10% of the time. That's crap, right? And a lot of the directories basically oversell their inventory by using this rotation approach. So even if, in Guy's example, there's only one lawyer there, well, yeah, okay, so you can buy that spot, but you're only buying 4% of that spot, right? That's a garbage. The other thing is on the rotation location, where is your ad on the page, right? Yelp used to be notorious for doing this, but there are other agencies that do this all the time. We're assuming here that people are seeing these ads, that it's at the top of the page, right? Not necessarily the case. You could be you know, way down in scrolling Never Never Land where your ads are never gonna actually show up so where the ads actually show becomes a really big deal. And here's another dirty trick. I still get this email from, I mean, you and I have exchanged this email from this particular vendor many times, but they're literally selling- Would you like to name the vendor? I will not, you may, but um, they're literally selling, you know, SEO juice from their legal link directory, which is like okay, prima facie penalty. Great, 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 great. L- let's go into this. Okay, so this is a this is a fair question and it's a question that I genuinely mull sometimes. Okay, you're buying ads on to be unnamed directory, right? It also includes a do follow link to your website. Okay? So it's a very, very thinly veiled link buying approach. What is your take, Guy, on whether or not you should do that for the value of the link? 
so fortunately, most of them still, maybe people can correct me if I'm wrong, most of them still have an organic version of the profile. So whether or not it has the link, I'm like, get your name, address, phone information from the organic profile, get your URL in there, but suspend money just for the link. And then the even worse idea, in my opinion, is spend money for the link across all these different pages from the same domain has infinitesimally small value. Yeah. And by the way, you want to buy links. There's a lot, there's a lot more affordable ways to buy links than from a legal directory. Yeah. My point here is the link buying with a fig leaf of advertising, probably not the best use of your money. Right? No, no, right. That's the whole point. I think that's really the way to frame it. There are a million ways to spend a dollar that are going to be better suited than the value of the link from an SEO standpoint from a legal directory. Okay, so now before my house gets torched by the people from Internet Brands, um, (laughs) (laughs) let me try and put a positive marketing spin on this. What value do you see out of the directories, Guy? I've got one, but where do you like the directories? Well, again, there, there's no question in my mind that there's value from visibility, whether it's a citation on the directory, for vertical specific directory, in okay. terms of their impact for your listing in Google business profiles, right? So like, you know, site value of citations has been going down. You can go check out WhiteSparks. We've talked about this before, local search ranking factors survey. Most of the SEOs agreed citations are less valuable than they used to be, but these directories, like the vertical specific ones, like in this case, legal, like, yeah, I think you need to be there. There's some validation there. And, um, you know, there's also, which was going to be, you know, it's another topic we've talked about and which was gonna, originally going to be one of our topics for today that we pivoted from. Being a blank lawyer with recognized, like, you know, whether it's Best Lawyers, they have a directory or Martindale Avo. <laughs> That's right. Martindale is now Martindale Avo. Those trust validators and being in the directory there, I think in less sophisticated consumers in certain practice areas, those provide a layer of trust. I I will tell you the directories that I like are vertical, very, very specific, right? Right. You do criminal defense and you're you're in the normal legal directory, right? That drives business for starters, right? Right. Um, But it also leads validation. Those links are probably as valuable, if not more valuable than something from, you know, Enolo. The other thing, I don't know if you spend much time doing this with your clients. Those directories that are selling their traffic as leads as opposed to an ad, I am much more interested in that because it is... It's harder to lie with leads than it is to lie with ads. Now, the leads has the same problem of rotation, right? So I'm going to take this lead and I'm going to send it to 15 lawyers and the first person to get that poor victim on the on, on the phone wins. Nah, that's kind of gross as well. But there are some of those directories. We have had uh, good luck with Nolo, very bluntly. We've got clients who do very well with Nolo with, with the lead buying. So it's when they will take that, to me, when they will take the extra step and go to not just, I'm going to put you in front of traffic from Uzbekistan that might be on our website because we don't care where the traffic is coming from, but we're actually qualifying these and turning these into leads and, and taking a very thin vetting perspective. Buying those as leads, I like that. And the other one that that's, I guess, somewhat tangentially related, but it, the directories usually have, some of them have this option, is this idea of Barnacle SEO if they allow you to publish on the directory domain, right? So uh, I don't know if Avo still does this, but they used to have where you could contribute content. 
Yeah, man. That was huge. Huge. It's like the Quora of legal. So, and like that Barnacle SEO play, if you can write the right post that uh, answers a question for a very specific audience that's local and highly likely to convert, sometimes that's, I, I mean, talk about the relative value between that and a link. I would take that publishing opportunity nine, I don't know, something, some high amount. Nine times out of 10. <laughs> um, well, so here, here's, 10. here's my problem with the Barnacle SEO, right? Mm -hmm. One, and Ava was frankly, I, I by the way, I was completely wrong about this. I thought this was going to be a flaming failure, and I was totally wrong. Ava was very successful at getting lawyers to answer those questions, right? So it was, uh, and, and I spent a long time of my life ranking Avo for the term free legal advice, right? Like I spent way too much time of my professional career on that one individual term. But in doing so, Ava was able to get lawyers to contribute content. And the lawyers eventually caught on and were pissed. Like, why the hell am I doing your SEO for you? Why shouldn't I be doing it for myself? To Guy's point, Ava had the authority for that query to rank on that page instead of all the lawyers because it had the stronger domain authority because of all the awesome link building work that Ava did. And so it's much harder to truly engage with that person. You can't get them to sign up for your newsletter. It's harder to get them to call you. And so you're also dealing with, you know, 50 other lawyers who have answered the same question, right? But interesting. Well, with that, our usual thank you to all of our listeners. As always, if you just landed on this first time here, then please do subscribe, follow, connect, like, Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast. Leave a review. Reach out to us on the hashtag LHLM. We'd love to hear from you. Topics, suggestions, questions, conversations. We want to hear from you. Thanks so much. Until next time, Ian Conrad with Lunch Hour Legal Marketing. Thank you for listening to Lunch Hour Legal Marketing. If you'd like more information about what you heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via Apple Podcasts and RSS. Follow Legal Talk Network on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. And or download the free app from Legal Talk Network in Google Play and iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, or subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. If you're a lawyer running a solo or small firm and you're looking for other lawyers to talk through issues you're currently facing in your practice, join the Unbillable Hours Community Roundtable, a free virtual event on the third Thursday of every month. Lawyers from all over the country come together and meet with me, lawyer and law firm management consultant Christopher T. Anderson, to discuss best practices on topics such as marketing, client acquisition, hiring and firing, and time management. The conversation is free to join, but requires a simple reservation. The link to RSVP can be found on the Unbillable Hour page at LegalTalkNetwork.com. We'll see you there.